Hello everyone and welcome to the Curious Cast. Uh, this episode is all about the mystery of D.B. Cooper. D.B. Cooper. D.B. Cooper. The name will forever be etched in the annals of history. Have you the heard of him before, of boys? Anal. The uh, anal of history. I've heard of him. Yeah, I know the I know I the know, broad strokes. Yeah. I know uh he uh, oh, from what steady. I remember, he's a he's a cool fella, I like him. <clears throat> Bit of a geezer. Mm. You heard of him, Rob? Uh yeah, but I don't know enough of him about to know whether or not he's a geezer, so Oh well. Uh, lucky heard... for you. I've got extensive, extensive yeah. notes about it jog DB my Cooper. memory. Excellent. Yeah. This is one of my favourite mysteries that um that I know of, I think, uh, yeah. in terms of like, it's such, it's such a good story. I think like it's uh, it gets you involved. It kind of like plays out like it, it was a it's a movie. Um, it's a little bit unbelievable, a little bit, you know, it's it's exciting. Um, mm. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's great. It's it's, uh, it's it's a classic. So, listeners, if you have heard of DB Cooper, then uh, obviously apologies, but there may be something new that you're going to learn. Um, if you haven't heard of DB Cooper, I definitely recommend reading up about him as well because uh, I'm not going to do it justice. There's a lot more information about him on the uh, internet. There's a few good videos as well that sort of go into it a bit more, and you can sort of visualise. You can see some of the areas that we're going to talk about as well, which is pretty interesting. So I'm going to crack on now and uh, yeah, and give you his story. So uh, I'm going to read it verbatim. I've got like a bit of a, a script that I'm going to go through. So I'm just going to talk you through the, uh, the events as they unfolded. I'm going to get comfortable. Yeah. So on Thanksgiving Eve, November 24th, 1971, a middle-aged man carrying a black attache case approached the flight counter of Northwest Orient Airlines at Portland International Airport. He identified himself as Dan Cooper and used cash to purchase a one-way ticket on flight 305, which was a 30-minute trip uh, to Seattle from Portland. Uh, Cooper appeared to be in his mid-40s uh, and at the time was wearing a business suit with a black clip-on tie and a white shirt. Uh, once he was online, uh, online on board, he quietly ordered a drink, which was a bourbon and soda. So... He's, uh, he's cracking on. When was it again? Sorry, what, when was this? This was in 1971. Okay. So, so not that uh, long ago, really. I, I remembered it being like the 50s or 60s or something, but it's not, in the grand scheme of things, it's not. I think, I think it's because it seems like a, <laughs> um, like a classic film. Yeah, I, I picture it so. in black and white, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one flight to Bivera, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next plane to, next plane to <laughs> Seattle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, so but it, long enough that it was easy. You could just walk up in an airport and buy a plate say, of cash. Was, just tell them your name, and that's uh, it. Yeah, I was going to say, did you not need a passport? I suppose maybe for internet internal flight. Do you even need a passport for an internal no. flight now? I don't in think America? so. Do you? No, you don't. No, probably don't. Yeah. No, I think you need to, to buy a ticket. You probably need to show some ID. Yeah, um, maybe now, maybe now, but you probably didn't at the time. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. It's mad. I've always wanted like the idea of just walking into an airport and just. Booking a ticket, you know, can you still do that? I assume you can still do that. 
yeah, the desks think, yeah. there still, but there can. never seems to be anyone at the desk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's always empty. Yeah, yeah, it's not as like romantic in your as in your head yeah. where you're like, the first flight out of here, and then yeah. <laughs> you walk up and you're just like ringing the bell. Like, Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like you win the lottery and you think you're just going to go to the airport and you actually really spend about three hours trying to find someone to book your flight to anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and you can just do it yeah. on your phone. Yeah, yeah. you're trying yeah. to use one of like a touch screen panel that's in there that's not working. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, back to DP Cooper, who's sitting on the plane, uh, sipping his bourbon and soda. So shortly after takeoff, Cooper handed a note to Florence Schaffner, who was the flight attendant. Uh, Schaffner sounds assumed... like a horrible drink, by the way. Sorry, bourbon and soda. That's the whiskey and soda water. water, isn't it? Yeah, that sounds awful. Anyway. Sorry. It's a, it's a good classic, yeah, no, classic mate. film drink hey, yeah, as well. I'm too much of a punter. <clears throat> Imagine the, uh, the ice cube clinking in the glass yeah, as he stirs yeah. it in black and white. Yeah, it's a pretty gentleman's drink, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. And as we'll see, D.B. Cooper is a gentleman. <laughs> so he handed a note to Florence Schaffner, who was the flight attendant. Uh, Schaffner assumed the note contained a lonely businessman's phone number uh, and just drops it into her pocket and didn't really uh, you know, look at it. However, as she walked past, Cooper leaned forward and grabbed her by the arm and whispered, Miss, you better look at that note because I have a bomb. The note was printed in neat, all capital letters with a felt-tip pen. Schaffner recalled that the note said that Cooper had a bomb in his briefcase. After she'd read the note, Cooper told her to sit down beside him. She did as he requested and then asked to see the, 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 the bomb, which I think was quite like a standard procedure apparently back in the 70s and, and shit there was like a spate of um hijackings with bombs so flight attendants were told you need to like verify that there is actually a bomb so they'd <laughs> have to ask to see the bomb yeah call their bluff <laughs> yeah. yeah that's what you want to do i wonder if that ever worked well there was a thing a while back wasn't it? do you remember when that those guys uh posed with someone that had a, he had like a suicide <laughs> jacket that turned out not to be yeah. yeah, it was one of those ones. Uh, I don't know if we spoke about this before, but just in general, my annoyance with like, the pitch, like, like the articles were going around saying guys took selfie with suicide bombers. It's not a no, selfie. they didn't. They had a photo taken <laughs> with the selfie. Yeah, it was not a selfie. Anyway, I think you've, there's been about four instances where you've been triggered by that. <laughs> oh, it fucks me off so hard. Anyway, it's like you know, it's like people's like trying to be in use internet phrase. Like you just got it wrong, and then it just becomes the thing because they use it so fucking much. Yeah. Um, like trolling like to, to be to be a tr- an internet troll was not just to be a cunt on the internet like it used to be it used to be to like wind someone up in an amusing jape yeah. kind of way and now it's just anyone that's a cunt on the internet is a troll yeah. because because the news just got hold of that word anyway <laughs> wankers <laughs> yeah. i agree but, 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 i'm yeah, as outrageous as you are yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah um that guy turned out to not have a real bomb, wasn't it? So I wonder if... Uh, and the guys that are taking the photo, I guess they clearly knew because they're kind of mm. smiling in the photo. They don't <laughs> seem that... Yeah, worried, everyone looks very they? happy. Yeah, it's a strange, strange photo. Um, so maybe the procedure is still in place and someone had said, whip it out, mate. And they were like, that's bullshit. <laughs> no, the bomb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, in this case, in D.B. Cooper's case... He opened the briefcase long enough for Schaffner to glimpse eight red cylinders, four on top of four, attached to wires coated with red insulation and a large cylindrical battery. So she assumed that's a bomb. Looks like a bomb. If it looks like a bomb, smells like a bomb, it's a bomb. 
Uh, after closing the briefcase, he stated his demands, which was $200,000 in negotiable, negotiable American currency, four parachutes, two primary and two reserve chutes, and a fuel truck standing by in Seattle to refuel the aircraft when they landed. Uh, I don't know how much $200,000 would be in today's money, but I guess in 1971 it was probably a bit more than it sounds. Yeah. Um, in not negotiable American currency. So I don't really know, quite know what that means. So like bonds, but I still, I still, I still don't really know what that means when I say that. Negotiable um, American currency. Maybe that's banknotes that um, haven't got serial numbers on them or something. I'm not too sure. Mm. I don't know. Might anyway. be an old-fashioned thing now anyway. You'd ask for cryptocurrency now, wouldn't you? Yeah. Transfer it, transfer Dogecoin. It, yeah, transfer it into the no, don't, don't mention water. Dogecoin to no, Rob. No, don't mention it. No, set him off. Don't mention it on the internet. We'll set the whole internet off. By <laughs> the way, so $200,000 is equivalent to $1.3 million now. Still quite, still quite a uh, reserved amount. Yeah, demand. when you say equivalent to it, it just because of inflation, in terms of like people's you know, like expectation of stuff. wealth and standard of living, it, it might have, a, you know, it would Felt be a more. bigger, bigger mm. number. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's still, yeah, still not an insane amount. Like if you said to me, I'll give you one and a half million if you get on that plane and say you've got a bomb. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not yeah. happening. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Um, so as she took uh, Schaefer, as she took it in and tried to control her emotions, she was surprised to to uh, to to see that Cooper um, calmed her down. Like he made her sit down and told her to calm down and made sure she was okay after he just shown her a bomb. She's a <laughs> nice, nice guy. Yeah, what nice, a nice guy, guy. Cooper. <laughs> um, so then she left to tell the pilots, um, and then when she returned, he'd put on a pair of dark sunglasses. I mean, what an absolute geezer, <laughs> sipping his bourbon. He, he then ordered another drink so he ordered another bourbon and soda after saying that he, he had a bomb Brilliant. so not going to say no at that point either but yeah, yeah. he wants another drink no not until you put that bomb away <laughs> be a good um, boy so in the meantime the pilots obviously contacted the FBI and preparations were made to um, sort of intercept the plane when it landed in Seattle Um. Whilst they were heading towards Seattle, one of the other flight attendants watched Cooper and she recalled that he seemed to be familiar with the local terrain. So we sort of knew the flight path where we were go where they were going and didn't seem like a normal criminal. Um, it was described as being calm, polite and well-spoken and not like the stereotypes um, like of hardened criminals or take me to Cuba uh, political dissidents properly associated with air piracy at the time. So yeah, I think there was a bit of a spate of people, uh, air piracy, people hijacking planes to sort of escape to um, to a communist or freer countries than the, the US. Um, the land so, of the free, how can it be a freer country? Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the other flight attendants said he seemed rather nice. He was never cruel or nasty. He was thoughtful and calm all the time. He paid his drink tab and attempted to give Mucklow the change as a tip and offered to request meals for the flight crew during the stop in Seattle. <laughs> Seems like a nice guy. Yeah. So meanwhile, FBI agents assembled the, ran the ransom money, uh, which was 10,000 unmarked $20 bills, most with serial numbers beginning with the letter L uh, and most from the 1963A and 1969 series. That's going to become relevant a bit later on. 
uh, and each of them was uh, a microfilm photograph was made of each of them. So they had a record of each individual banknote that they they gave. So um, they were serialized. He said they were serialized. Yeah, they're not, so they're in not fact, marked, but obviously everything's serialized. What? Yeah, non-negotiable or negotiable yeah. American currency. It has to be serialized as money. Yeah. Mm. Um. So they also um, provided him with parachutes when they landed. However, Cooper rejected military-grade parachutes that were offered um, and asked instead for civilian parachutes, um, which, again, comes into play a bit later on when they're trying to figure out who this guy was. Um, so after the delivery was... So the plane landed, and after the, the, the money was put on board with the, with the parachutes, all of the um, passengers and the flight attendants were told to leave by Cooper, so he let everyone go. He said, you're free to go. Um, and then the plane was refueled, and then they took off again. Um, and then once they were back in the air, Cooper went to the pilots and told them his flight plan. So he's told them to head towards Mexico City at the minimum airspeed possible without stalling the aircraft, which was approximately 115 miles per hour, at a maximum of 3,000 metres uh, altitude. He also said that the landing gear needs to remain down, uh, the wing flaps be lowered 15 degrees and the cabin remain unpressurized. Um, he, was he, was doing. To- he knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So obviously, again, he sort of knew what the, 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 how to jump out of a plane and not die and uh, had a vague idea of everything. Um, so he was then told that the, 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 the plane wouldn't reach Mexico City without being refueled. So they started to discuss other options. Um, and Cooper agreed that they'd have to refuel at Reno in Nevada. Um, also on takeoff, Cooper said that the, the the type of plane that was used, you might see it in like an old film, it had door uh, a set of stairs that came down at the very back of the plane. So you know now you've got stairs that come out the sides of the plane. Yeah. Mm. This one had one that comes down directly below the tail. But you can yeah. see it in like old... Yeah, and like cargo planes and stuff still have that, right? Yeah, yeah, like that. But it's just a set of stairs. So just like a little single single set of stairs coming Mm -hmm. down rather than like a big, big thing. Yeah, yeah. So he said um, that needs to to take off. Um, And uh, that's where that needs to remain down whilst they take off. But he was told you can't because it's not safe. So he said, okay, do it when when we take off. As as soon as you take off, you need to lower the, the stairs. Um, so they're flying along with these stairs open inside the plane, uh, or off the back of the plane, sorry. Uh, and then as they took off, they were followed by uh, a couple of military jets as well. So I think it was three or four military jets were following the plane, obviously keeping an eye on it. Um, I guess in case he decided to fly into a building, they'd shoot it down or whatever. So uh, after takeoff, uh, Cooper told the, the last remaining flight attendant to join the rest of the crew in the cockpit and remain in there with the door closed. Um, as she complied, she observed Cooper tying something around his waist, which looked like the money bag. At approximately 8pm, a warning light flashed in the cockpit, indicating that the uh, aft stair apparatus had been activated. Uh, so the, the last bit of the stairs system at the back of the plane had been activated. Um, one of the co-pilots offered assistance via the intercom, uh, but Cooper refused. And this was the last communication the crew ever had with him. So soon after, the crew noticed a change of air pressure within the the plane, indicating that the aft door was open. 
And then approximately uh, 15 minutes later, the tail section sustained a sudden upward movement large enough to require the, the pilot to make an adjustment. So as though something had gone out the back of the plane. Uh, at approximately 10.15, uh, they landed uh, with the stairs still down. Uh, and then the FBI and the police boarded the plane, searched the plane. They couldn't find DB Cooper. So Cooper had, at some point between leaving um, the airport of... What airport was it? Sorry. Forgotten now. Uh, Portland. Oh, Seattle. Portland? Seattle, yeah. So it's after leaving one, yeah. Seattle on the way to Reno, Nevada, he jumped out the plane at some point. Um, it's far out, isn't it? It's, it's mad, isn't it? Like, it's a pretty ballsy, ballsy yeah. move to, uh, yeah. to do. Um, so they recovered 66 fingerprints uh, on, on board the plane. They found his black clip-on tie, his tie clip, two of the four parachutes. I like the fact he's got a clip-on tie. Is there, is the relevance, is there a relevance <laughs> to the clip-on tie or is it just... It's mentioned it's quite a, a lot, but there's, yeah. there's, I don't think there's any relevance it's to it. It's a mystery. Is it just that it's easy... It's just as easy to get a normal tie off. It's probably more of a faff to get a clip-on tie off, isn't it? Like, uh, Surely, yeah. Or no, would you pull it? Uh, but still. Why would, you, why would you not keep it on? I guess because it's going to flap in your face. Get in your face, yeah, all tie and <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, he also found two of the parachutes. Uh, one had been opened and had parts cut away from the canopy. So potentially he'd use one of them to tie things to, you know, the bag around his body or something like that. Mm. Should point out as well that whilst this was happening, it was a storm. There was a huge storm outside the plane, um, so it wasn't like flying in perfect conditions. It was yeah, like a big rainstorm, big thunderstorm going on mm. as they were flying. I, I remember thinking this before when I when I heard about this. He went to all this trouble and he, and he didn't ask for a backpack, <laughs> you know, like or bring a backpack <laughs> to to put the money in. He's tied it to his waist and had to rip bits off the. the mm. Such a thought through plan. He he missed like what was a vital. Well, backpacks not really a thing in the seventies. Surely they were. They must have been. Surely, uh, yeah. but the, the whole thing. You know, he was dressed in a suit. He was dressed in a black suit with dress shoes on. And he the the area that as we'll find out in a minute, the area that he jumped out over the US is like heavily forested. So he's jumped out over a forest in a storm, dressed in a suit from like. <laughs> 10,000 feet up so it's going to be freezing you know he's going to be wet by the time he gets reaches the ground so yeah again yeah. like you say it, it doesn't seem to have planned this bit out it's not like he's well. got a GPS tracker on him or a, you know his phone to drop his mate a pin and say pick me up yeah it's mad yeah. Um, so a, a search area was difficult to define um, because even slight differences in like estimates of how fast the plane was going or like the wind speed and all that sort of stuff, it would just mm. affect where the plane was at certain times and they just had no real idea of, of, of narrowing it down. I guess, again, you wouldn't have had the direct GPS. You'd have something, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, but not as much as today's standards where you'd know the exact flight path. Probably just be from like radar pings, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so everything just changed his projected landing point by a huge amount. Uh and they also didn't know how long he remained in free fall before pulling his parachute. Yeah. Because, again, that would affect how, you know, which way the wind might have taken him, how far off of the That's flight path yeah. he would have gone, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, neither of the fighter planes saw anything, um, either visually or on radar, and they didn't see a parachute open. However, it was at night. Uh, and like I say, it was extreme weather, uh, limited visibility. So seeing a, a, a human jump out of a yeah, plane no is probably quite that. difficult. 
Um, so initially, they they placed his landing zone within an area of of on the southernmost outreach of Mount St Helens, which is in Washington State, near Lake Merwin. Um, so search efforts focused on Clark and Cowlitz counties, encompassing the terrain immediately south and north of the Lewis River in southwest southwest Washington. Uh, FBI agents and sheriff's deputies searched large areas of the woodland, uh, mount- uh, the mountainous woodland on foot and by helicopter, uh, and local door-to-door searches were undertaken. So farmhouses, um, cabins were all checked, popular hiking routes, all that sort of stuff. Uh, reservoirs were, were checked. Um, nothing was found. So no trace of Cooper and none of the equipment that supposedly he left uh, with, you know, any of the parachutes, things like that, uh, was found in that search area. Um, they also searched using planes, so they flew light aircraft and helicopters uh, with the National Guard, um, and they saw some broken treetops, bits of plastic, and things that they thought were parachute uh, canopies, uh, but nothing was found to be relevant, or you know, they couldn't confirm, um, couldn't confirm anything to be from him um and then winter came and had to stop so as winter sort of rolled in or the the heavy winter they couldn't continue checking so, so what this time happened, of year was it when he did it yeah sorry sorry yeah you're about to say what time of year it was when he did it so it's thanksgiving so that's november i think isn't it mm, still so whereabouts isn't it? it's still cold where he was isn't it oh yeah it must have been cold um i guess over like december january that's when the you know the heavy snow will start falling yeah yeah um but yeah it's probably not warm at the point that he uh-huh. jumped out um but yeah so for a good few months they had to stop searching and then in early 1972 uh, fbi agents and uh soldiers along with air force personnel national guardsmen and civilian volunteers conducted a second search um through clark and cowlitz counties in March, and then an additional 18 days in March, in April, sorry. They also used a submarine to search Lake Merwin. So they, they hired a submarine uh, and searched just in case, obviously, he landed and drowned in there, but they didn't find anything. Um, during Man, the they search, went all out to try to find him. Yeah, I Jesus. know, yeah. I mean, the the amount of money they probably spent on, on the search. <laughs> yeah, Unfortunately, it doesn't, say, it doesn't say that, but yeah. it must have been a pretty substantial amount. Um, during a search, two women found a skeleton in a uh, an abandoned cabin, which was later identified as the remains of a teenage girl who had been abducted and murdered several weeks before. Which is a sad little side note to the to the story. Um, ultimately, the search and rescue, uh, the search and recovery operation, uh, which is thought to be one of the most extensive and intensive in U.S. history, uncovered no significant material evidence related to the hijacking. So they, yeah weren't successful in finding any trace of D.B. Cooper. So he seemingly at this point has got away with 1.3, the equivalent of $1.3 million in today's money. <laughs> Lad. Um, so a month after the hijacking, uh, the FBI distributed lists of the ransom serial numbers. So remember they had all the serial numbers of the individual banknotes. Mm. Um, so they listed or they distributed them to financial institutions of banks, casinos, racetracks, and businesses that uh, you know did large cash transactions mm. and to um, law enforcement agencies around the world so every i guess like interpol you know metropolitan police every single major um, uh, police agency received a list of all the serial numbers um, 
the airline offered a reward of 15% of the recovered money up to a maximum of $25,000. And then uh, later in the year, all of the serial numbers were released to the public. So they're all still publicly available on the FBI's website. But that's like, yeah. So so, so think think about this now. If he... Yeah, so they put the serial numbers out to, you know, like places where he might have spent bigs, but it's not everyone ever. You know, they weren't just constantly checking all serial numbers that ever made it back to wherever the fuck money eventually ends up back at. Mm. So he could have just lived out peacefully and gradually spent it little bits by bits and well yeah i mean that's the clever thing to do isn't it not do yeah. big and eventually i guess money gets burnt eventually it comes back and gets it's old money and they make new money that must happen at some point it just gets incinerated and got rid mm. of yeah you would have thought that like at least one or you know a handful of these notes would have made its way somewhere that it would have got picked up, right? Like, even if he was set, just buying little bits in the odd uh, yeah. gas station and Might not have you know, shop here and there. Someone's... Like, then, well, then that goes somewhere, right? Well, Tom, I'm glad you asked. Well, <laughs> well, I'm glad you suggested that because some of the money was recovered. However, it wasn't from the hands of DB Cooper. Mm. So in uh, 1980, so this is uh, eight years later, so the, the, the serial numbers were released in 1972. Um, before, uh, the, in 1972, actually, there was a couple of people that got arrested because they had printed fake banknotes with the serial numbers on them <laughs> to try and get money out of like magazines and newspapers and stuff. Um, so obviously it caused a bit of a stir. So That's anyway, fast forward. That's a smart thing to do. That's just, that's just forging money, yeah. isn't it? Like. Um, yeah, so fast forward to 1980. Um, Brian Ingram, uh, eight-year-old, uh, was vacationing, in, vacationing I can say that right, with his family on the Columbia River uh, in uh, about 14 kilometres downstream from Vancouver, Washington, and 20 miles southwest of Ariel. So it's a little bit further south than the search area that the FBI were, were looking as he was playing by the river, he uncovered three packets of money as he raked the Sandy River Bank to build a campfire. Uh, all of the dollar bills were disintegrated, but they were still bundled in rubber bands, so in rubber band packets. Um, FBI technicians confirmed that the money was indeed a portion of the ransom. It was two packets of $120 bills and a third packet of 90 all arranged in the same order as when given to Cooper. So much so, is that, about three grand? Uh, yeah, like yeah. a substantial, a, little, a good little wedge. No. I might be an idiot there. $120 bills. $120 bills. Two grand. Is... Wait, you're asking the wrong person. I don't <laughs> Four know grand. So it's about, it about six grand. Not bad. Not a bad mm. haul for an eight-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously this raised a lot of questions um is does this prove that db cooper didn't survive you know did he obviously something happened in the air and he he the, the bag did he drop the bag and it's blown over and eventually found its way into the river or as he stashed it you know did he stash the money and he's just this is his stash that he's forgotten about he's not been able to come and claim so there's a lot of um obviously conjecture um so there's a few theories about it, um, trying to figure out whether it, it had like flown into, uh, 
flowed into the river or whether it had been placed there or or anything like that um so they got like hydrologists in uh, who noted that the bills had dis- dis- disintegrated in a rounded fashion and were matted together indicating that they they had been deposited by river action as opposed to having been delib- deliberately buried uh, so that conclusion if correct supported the opinion that cooper had not landed near lake lake merwin or any tributary of the lewis river which feed in, feeds into the columbia river and it also led credence to speculation that placed the drop zone near the Washougal River, which merges with the Columbia upstream from the discovery site. Um, however, it did not explain why there were 10 bills missing from one packet, and there was no logical reason why that the packets would have remained together after separating from the rest of the money. So why would these three packets have been held together uh, when the rest of the money's disappeared? I guess he could have separate it in order to tie it to himself in you know potentially i think that that they what they were saying was this is evidence that it he didn't mean to put it in the river so therefore yeah. maybe he's he died um and you know and this is just been washed okay. into the river and washed downstream yeah 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 okay. potentially um also it's not compatible it's incompatible with geologic evidence so one of the experts observed that flea free floating bundles would have had to have washed up on the riverbank within a couple of years of the hijacking otherwise the rubber bands would have deteriorated much quicker can't even speak at the moment so i didn't get that what they're saying there then so they're saying that um if they had just been floating down the river um it, they would have years. been on the riverbank a lot sooner because the, the the rubber bands would have deteriorated and they would have obviously flown loose, whereas the rubber bands were still on the... So they're uh, saying it's been somewhere else and then the river's knocked it loose. Potentially, yeah. So they may have been buried or they've been placed in the river um, or, or they found their way into the river, you know, after the event. So they didn't just fall in the river during the event. Right. But maybe survived. He's buried them somewhere or he stashed them somewhere. Mm, and then yeah. somehow, two or three years later or whenever, they've been washed into the river okay. and then been found. Yeah, interesting. So it doesn't really um, help finding him, but it's just they're trying to theorise whether um, mm. yeah, whether he's done it on purpose or not. And there was I a bet few... there's a subreddit for DB Cooper. Probably, <laughs> yeah. There's got a Discord. There's a Discord chat for DBQ. Oh, That's more be. of like there's, there's probably more like a Yahoo questions group for, yeah. for DB Cooper, isn't there? Like, um, they also did some recent analysis of diatoms. I'm not really too sure what diatoms is. I'm assuming it's to do with probably. It's not, um, not very nice for old McLeod here. What diatoms? Diatoms. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> very good. <laughs> it's going to be to do with like radiation or something probably maybe I don't know yeah I don't know what anyway um, so that it suggests that the bundles found uh, were not submerged in the river or buried dry at the time of the hijacking in November 1971 only diatoms that bloom okay so it must be something to do with like algae or something like that so only diatoms that bloom during springtime were found placing the date range that the money entered the water at least several months after the hijacking so again, suggesting that it hasn't happened, you know, he didn't fall into the, 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 the river or he didn't fall into a lake or anything like that. Mm. Uh, anyway, nothing really came of it. And after in 1986, uh, the recovered bills were divided equally between the, the boy, Ingram, 
um, and the insurance company of the airline. So he managed to keep um, some of these dollar bills uh, and he sold 15 of them in 2008 for $37,000. It's not a bad little investment. Nice turnover. Yeah. Um, and then to date, none of the other 9,710 other bills have, have turned up anywhere. And like I said, the serial numbers are still available online on the FBI website. So if you want to, if you've got any dollars in your in you know in your pocket that you want to check, you might have like a uh, imagine how much money one of those would sell for. I reckon you get a bit of money from yeah, probably be confiscated right as evidence. Well, I don't know though because like that they, kid yeah. got to keep them, didn't he? Yeah, so I don't know. Um, so there's a few theories um, on the tie. So going back to his clip on tie. Um, there was high um, traces of titanium found on the tie. So titanium was much rarer in the 1970s than in the 2010s at the time the tie was analysed. And at that time, it was only found in metal fabrication or production facilities or specific chemical companies. So it suggested that he may have been a chemist or a metallurgist or possibly an engineer or a manager who were... At that time, the only employees who wore ties in such facilities. Um, so that offered another theory. Um, you know, he might have been dis- disgruntled um, if his business had been put out of work by the airline, if they were manufacturing parts for planes. Uh, you know, that's one of the theories that was put mm. forward. Probably unlikely. I don't really think that's true. And there was other sort of rare earth materials found as well on the tie, which again suggested that he'd been working in like... Um, uh, you know, sp- specific uh, employment. You know, he wasn't just in an office or something like that. It narrowed down where he possibly could have could have worked. Mm. I just found a good little uh, WordPress thing that I've linked to you to have a look at as well. Afterwards, it's like some guy just quickly saw a thing where these guys are like arguing on a on a, on another web. I found the web page that I was reading the uh, Circadia mystery thing from fandom thing is there's a whole db cooper bit on that mm. and, at the, and at the bottom it links to another article where there's art where there's like arguments in the comments and this guy's this is the real such and such i don't know maybe the robert blevins is he something to do with it was he maybe a supposedly a, a cop investigating at the time i don't know anyway he's got a whole website about it that's what i just linked on, on WordPress. Yeah, we'll have to get him interviewed. Get him interviewed. Tom. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, so I, I looked to see if there was a db cooper subreddit and there is it's not that active there's 2000 members um seven online right now and uh it is just a lot of like odd posts and memes and stuff but there's also a reddit user uh by the name db cooper 2230 who is uh well one of one of his recent posts here says that he is a 20-year-old male young slut looking for an older man to dominate me uh, in the Tennessee Gone Wild subreddit. Um, And then another one in the Nashville Gone Wild subreddit. 20-year-old male looking for an older man to dominate me. Um, And then, like, you could... (laughs) And then this guy is, like, um, fair fair on him. Like, he's, uh, he's, he's commenting on people's posts 
people who have posted pictures of their dick. Like this guy, I'm literally just looking at a picture of this guy's dick now. It says, is a 42-year-old man stroking my cock in my car? Does anyone want to park next to me and watch? He's like, I do, PM me. Um, <laughs> this guy just uses Reddit to hook up with other guys in uh, Tennessee. And he goes by the Don't name play. DB Cooper. Well, so so now we know what he planes to wanking in cars. <laughs> yeah, that's what he does now. Mystery <laughs> solved, yeah. Uh, need my How cock would he be so now? bad. <laughs> If he if he if he was alive now, so how do, do we know roughly his age in the seventies? Well, w- would he just be so dead? It's like you're reading my my notes here, Rob. Yeah, fucking hell. So his description was um, around five feet ten inches, um, mid forties, with close set, piercing brown eyes and swarthy skin. So mid forties in nineteen seventy one. It'd be like ninety something. Pretty old now. Yeah, okay. Um, I believe he's so, still still <clears throat> kicking around. You know, he's not a twenty-year-old male in uh, Tennessee, but he's <laughs> he's still doing bits. That's his grandson just walking <laughs> and getting sucked <laughs> off everywhere. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so he appeared to be pretty familiar with with parachuting uh, and planes, how planes worked. Uh, obviously, he knew the correct airspeed to slow the plane down to to make sure he was going to survive the jump. Knowledgeable about the terrain, uh, the aircraft flying technique, um, and uh, the, the the general area. They couldn't figure out what his accent was. He just had like a, a sort of generic American accent. They weren't able to place any sort of state accent or anything like that. Um, he also knew a, a lot about how to refuel planes. Weirdly, you know, I don't know why. That was sort of important, but he knew how long like a typical refueling time would be. Um, and he knew some of the details about the planes that a standard person wouldn't, uh, you know, wouldn't know, like the staircase being able to be lowered during the flight, which it wasn't public knowledge. Afterwards, actually, um, and like a new device was fitted to all planes called the Cooper mechanism that prevented the stairs from being open during flight. So he's got like a little lasting legacy that now no planes can be opened during flights. That's cool. Nice. Um, so he may also have known that the CIA at the time using 272, so the type of plane to drop agents and supplies behind enemy lines during the Vietnam War. So again, he could have been, um, you know, in, in the Air Force or something like that. Mm. But anyway, so he's never been found. There was no trace of DB Cooper was ever found. Um, he vanished into thin air. The only, the only thing that's ever been found is that little group of banknotes uh, that were found back in the eighties. There's loads of suspects. I'm not going to list them all here because there's there's literally fifteen plus, yeah. and a lot of them are similar. They're they're sort of people that um, have been in the army, perhaps like a paratrooper, uh, or they've worked for the CIA, or they've they've worked in the military, the you know the air force. Um, yeah. and then they've also been involved in crime and then as they've got older they've either confessed to, to not directly saying they're D.B. Cooper but they've confessed to robbing a, uh, a substantial amount of money um, and pulling off like a heist or um, you know their children have suspected that they had some involvement in it um, and, and they've put their names forward to, to potentially be D.B. Cooper there's a couple of interested ones um, including some that they've sort of mocked up next to the, the mock-up of D.B. Cooper. So um, if you, if you uh, let me link the link to D.B. Cooper's page in the chat, um, and there's like a, a mock-up 
of what he looked like with and without glasses. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty detailed and, drawing. Like it's not, you know, you, you see some sketches and you're like, that could fit quite a lot of people, but this is a, just looks like a very accurate drawing. From mm-hmm. yeah, it's got like some specifics to it. Um, but at the bottom of that page, there's a list of suspects. Again, anyone who's listening, if you want to read more into it, just the Wikipedia page alone has got all of the, the suspects and a lot of the photos, and you can directly compare the photos to the the sketch. And some of them look like a dead ringer for DB Keeper. Um, like especially there's a guy called Robert Rackstraw, who... I think he was, uh, again, he was in the army. He was part of like a helicopter crew during the Vietnam War. And he was a bit of a wrong one after the war. You know, he got into some trouble with the, the police and all that sort of stuff. So um, part of the reason why they think he could be DB Cooper was was because he knew about para, parachuting. Uh, he'd been involved in crime. Um, and he fitted the age in the description of D.B. Cooper. And if you look at his photo, he does look very, very similar. But who knows? Um, it's one of those things that no I don't one. think we're ever going ever gonna to find out who D.B. Cooper was. Um, because, yeah, like you say, at this point, he's probably either dead, if he did survive, or very, very old. So, Well, apparently, uh, and it's the thing I've seen, that they did find a, a parachute somewhere which the FBI dismissed. Uh, it was found in 2008, and it was dismissed later by the Seattle FBI, saying it's the right colour, the right size, and found, and found in the right place. A week later, so that's what they first said, a week later they dismissed it based solely on the opinion of Cooper parachute packer Earl Cossey, who claimed he knew it wasn't cop- Cooper's because it was made of silk and the ones he packed were made of ripstop nylon. But silk is a natural substance and rots in the ground. Nylon does not. And shoot experts who saw some of the pictures released by the FBI say it is obviously nylon, not silk. To make things even more weird, if you inquire about the Amboy shoot today, the Seattle FBI tells you they can't discuss it because it is an evidence in an ongoing case. Mm-hmm. So potentially there, there are. 2008 um, though. So how yeah. is the, the, the parachute packer? He's still knocking it. He still supposedly got a good enough memory of the parachute that he packed. He must be in his fucking 80s. Wait, so the parachute wasn't found until 2008? Apparently, yeah. Wow. It's mad, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so in that death... I, I thought they, you meant... You were saying they found it very shortly after the incident and maybe the silk just hadn't had time to, you know, throw it away. But yeah, it, says mm. it definitely would have found in 2008, in that amount yeah. of time. Yeah. One of the suspects... Is um, quite interesting. A guy called Richard McCoy Jr., who again was a um, Vietnam veteran. Um, he served as a helicopter pilot, and he had he was a as a recreational skydiver as well. So he had experience skydiving. And then in 1972, so a year and a bit after the DB Cooper hijacking, he staged a copycat hijacking. <laughs> so he, he boarded uh, the same type of plane in Colorado. Uh, and then brandished what was later found to be a paperweight resembling a hand grenade and an unloaded handgun, demanded four parachutes and $500,000. After the money was and the parachutes were delivered, uh, the plane took back off, uh, and he jumped out of the plane somewhere over Utah, leaving behind his, his hijacking instructions and his fingerprints on a magazine he'd been reading. Um, however, his handwriting was traced to him, 
um, by someone from his like military career. I think it was one of his trainers or something recognized his handwriting or handwriting expert, sorry. And he was arrested and sentenced to a 45 year sentence. However, he escaped. He kept like escaping from uh, prison and he was eventually shot and killed in a shootout. Um, but again, he's got like a, he looks like DB Cooper, like mm. the photo. And he did something very, very similar very soon after. So he's, he's quite an interesting one to, to read into. Um, but yeah, like so that's it. pretty much DB Cooper. I mean, like I say, there's a lot more to. I really like it. I want to get discuss into about that. It. Yeah, and read um, all these forums about it. I really like the main one I found is probably yeah, it's probably not going to be Reddit posts, is it? What I found is like some dude's WordPress website, <laughs> and it's just like that's mainly the sort of shit you're going to find out there about it. And it? it's like an old school one, and they've only just it, this website's really odd. I, I'm not, I can't quite work out. It, it looks like you're reading. The bottom, click on that link I sent. It looks like you're reading, you know, the bottom of a of the shit sort of articles we normally read. Oh yeah, <laughs> it looks like the bottom of them. The whole website looks like <laughs> yeah, that. That's referred to as the chum like, bucket. What? That's what they call. That is yeah, like the that when you go on those websites that have like shit yeah. articles, and then you find yeah. even more shit articles at the bottom. Yeah, that are just that's the chum yeah, bucket. The chum yeah, bucket. That's interesting. Yeah, the whole website looks like that, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it confused me at first. I was like, wait, where's the what have I just? You know, and sometimes because sometimes that's all it loads at first, isn't it? And then the website, the article loads. Yeah. You ever do that? When you, so I sort of thought it happened. I was like, when's the actual page? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it is an interesting one. I was thinking like when. Um, you hear those stories about people that jump out of planes or, or fall out of planes or, you know, fall from an incredible height and somehow just survive with no injuries. Like, um, mm. your body goes limp and then you just bounce across the ground and no broken bones. You don't die or anything like that. It's crazy. There's this, I remember when I was a kid reading Guinness World Record book and it's this woman has the world record for like the. Um, highest fall without a parachute surviving and she didn't do it on purpose she was like yeah. in a plane crash and fell from literally like thousands of feet and survived um, and I'm That's pretty crazy. sure she had like, no injuries as well what yeah I wonder if she can remember it or whether like her brain you well, know, just one of those things like complete fluke of like the way the wind caught her at a certain time and yeah well i think she passed out so like you're, you're more likely to survive if your body's really limp um yeah. so it just yeah, absorbs the impact and yeah. yeah i guess she just got lucky with like maybe the way she landed maybe like some trees slowed her down or something i don't know yeah, i don't know yeah. where she landed but was That's fine crazy. it's crazy imagine think yeah. like uh, the the last thing you remember is falling through the sky and you just wake up on the ground you know did that actually happen yeah yeah yeah, have you a trip, man. She had one hell of a headache. Yeah. You ever seen those things where people do like a, a prank where they're like flying their mate in a plane and they say they're going to crash <laughs> and they go, ah, like, oh, we're and their mate's like, it's got to be one of the, I think that'd be awesome to go through that because thinking you are like, that is you decided, done, my number's up. You'd be convinced when you're like, this is it, I'm now dying. That adrenaline Fuck rush. Me. Yeah, like you would never feel not... more alive than when no, you, yeah. you're about to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wish someone would have done it to me, like without telling me. Oh, but I'll always, suspe- I'll always suspect. Now. You can't. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that oh. DB Cooper story. Yeah, gets, thanks, on, gets on the plane, a gentleman the whole way through, even tipping the staff. 
grabs his money, jumps out the plane. Yeah. Yeah, it's the thing. Like he wasn't, he wasn't nasty. You know, I, I, I'm rooting for DB Keeper. I hope he survived. And I, hope I think he... that's why it captures the imagination of so many mm. because. Because it's like it's odd that he's like he's different, isn't he? It? And it's like it's kind of like a James Bond esque. It is like you say, it's like a film, isn't it? You can you can you can like picture it. Uh, I wonder how much of it's romanticized through time and telling. Yeah. And Potentially, yeah. You're almost happy he got away with it as well. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I hope he survived. Because um, everyone does. That's why people like it because they hope he survived. It's sort of it's almost like a yeah. Uh, no one was injured in the making of this. Scat, yeah, you know, like if they did find yeah. him dead like a couple months or years later, you'd be like, Oh, that sucks. Yeah. That's that's not they're yeah. not even a story, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No one's like, Oh, that damn DB Cooper stealing the FBI's money, yeah. I hope they catch him. He's like, Yeah, good guy, cop, good guy, <laughs> cop, good guy, uh, <laughs> yeah, a hijacker. Which like, they've got <laughs> yeah, an open investigation now, still, which I think it is still listed as an open investigation. Mm. Obviously, they're still like spending money on it. Uh, do they know or is it just like in, in a file somewhere yeah I guess so but I, I don't have to like every so often every, Pro- every cold case has to at least yeah. be looked at yeah probably I suppose so oh, is, yeah, or is you'd close it and archive it wouldn't you I suppose if you're not yeah. going to look at it mm. well, I guess this year oh wait isn't this there might be an anniversary of 71 yeah what's that 30 40 50, 50 years this year yeah ah. so this, this 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 November will be 50 years since DB Cooper Bust it out of a plane. Yeah, there's a there was a, a on the July the ninth to the eleventh. There is a DB Cooper fiftieth anniversary party. Let's go. Let's we upload this <laughs> <Yeah>. then. <laughs> we upload this just for today. Yeah. Happy DB Cooper anniversary! Everyone. It's a festival organised group <laughs> camp out with certain amenities provided. Certain amenities. July the ninth, two thousand and twenty-one. We encourage you to get the COVID-19 vaccine shots. <laughs> oh, we're never going to be able to get to go there. That looks sick, though. Wait, wait, oh, is it in America? It's in America, yeah. I really want to go. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Anyway, cheers, George. That's all right. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, let me know what you think of DB Cooper. If you're listening like to say, this, look it up. If you're listening to this from the 50th anniversary uh, DB Cooper party oh, yeah, in july then uh yeah give us a give us a wave because we'll be there too <laughs> yeah and uh if you are db cooper let us know yeah or don't actually imagine if that was it ruined, imagine, after all his, imagine if after all his time he just went yeah you know what lads i'll tell you through i'll tell you <laughs> we got the, the scoop on db cooper yeah, he happens Great. to already be a subscriber <laughs> <laughs> all right nice one cool all the best thanks for listening see ya Bye. Bye.